Hello and welcome to our first episode, flagship episode of Cup of Cully. I am your host, the best podcast host in the universe, Steve Cully, and with me as always, I don't even think I need to say from the Thirsty Owl anymore. Does it really matter, Josh Cully? No, I don't. I really, I love this place, but I don't, I don't necessarily need it to be my master status. Maybe we'll get into that later, what master status yeah. Well, I've been I've been putting known universe out there anytime I say it now, and I think that makes a difference. And I, I hate saying that. And I had um, I had talked to um, James and Charlie from the history museum sure. yesterday, sure. and Charlie did point out that you know, technically speaking, we are the known universe, the only one. Correct. Now he thinks there's others out there. For now, for now we are. Until but, something like Independence Day happens, then we're in real trouble. Because I, I did want to address that, and he said that would be the accurate way way to say it. So that's that's what we're going with. Charlie is a wealth of knowledge. He is. He is. He he and and so wealthy that we we talked a little bit about astrophysics because why wouldn't you? That that's that's what he taught. <laughs> I didn't know like he. Was I didn't know that either. I've been hanging around with Charlie some time. I, that's intriguing to me. And then, you know, Jamie, um, I got his last name wrong. Oh, no. I like the best podcast host in the universe, and I got his name wrong. <laughs> Maybe he got knocked down a half, half a notch, just like Syracuse uh, football team got knocked down a few notches. I mean, that could be a segue if you want it to be. It's out there if you want it. Well, un unfortunately, and I, I hate to, to beat the, the horse that's dead, I, I believe you and I discussed this weeks ago, and... You know, we, we love supporting our local team, but we may or may not have, have seen that coming. We did see it coming. It was just a quick examination of the schedule moving forward. And we talked about it in a, in a podcast gone by. And I think that we saw that this could happen. And, um, you know, there's a lot to talk about there. I mean, the game itself and... Um, you know, how people, and there's a lot, there's a lot, to, I don't like to say unpack because that sounds a little clinical, but if, if I were to use, if I had a one-time free pass, I'll say there's a lot to unpack. Well, you're not going to say culture at least. I'm not, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. There's a lot to unpack with, you know, Syracuse in their last two games, but, um, if you, you like, you got your shoes off, you're comfortable. I, I am comfortable. Sure. I am comfortable. Just let me know if you're not. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we looked at the schedule and I believe... You said at best, or at worst, I think it was two wins on the back end. Was it two wins? I think, yeah. I mean, they could creep into three, but I think one of them just left, just left the building. I think Elvis, in the form of Notre Dame, just left our building. And, you know, we, uh, we took that one on the face. And, and yeah, we, we didn't have the Clemson game on there, and that should have been. That would have been one that we would, you would call stealing a win. You know, because when they went to 6-0... and oh, you know, I saw the only thing I saw is, is kind of a sure thing, which I'm sure Boston College fans would love to hear me say this. But the last game of the season playing Boston College, I, I kind of gave us the nod on that one just to get the seven wins. And then you'd be seven and five. But, you know, um, I think, you know, eight and eight and four would would be fantastic at this point. Cause do, we, do we have a lot of BC fans that listen? Um, probably not a ton. Okay. Probably not a ton. I mean, you know, if you're from New England or even Eastern New York, a lot of Red Sox fans, um, 
I, I just don't want VC or something. We no. have few listeners, so I would let, I would not like to offend them if no. possible. But no. if we don't, then we can offend all the VCs. But we gotta we gotta give ourselves that one. I mean, they're pretty far down the list on the RPI that we checked out the other day. But you know, just to just to get into it, talking about you know what happened. I mean, we we've covered Clemson a little bit, but to cover this effort against Notre Dame, you know, I don't think you have to go too much further than the first play from scrimmage. You know, um, you know, Garrett gets picked off and you got to pick six right off the bat and that's a little tough to come back from it's a little tough to come back from um and i know because a lot of my friends back in the new hartford utica area bought season tickets specifically for for syracuse notre dame i mean that that's the one that everyone circled that's the one that everyone was looking forward to and they were on a roll like you said the first six games, I mean, I believe that said the first time they had been 6-0 and in a number of years. Sure. And first play. Pick six. And, Can't do it. And, and you have praised Garrett Schrader up and down. And you also noticed he was a transfer from Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And he came in last year, and he started getting things going. This was his first year as a, as a full starter. And I believe you also said his athleticism has been carrying him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a dual-threat guy. But I think what we talked about, what, what I want to talk about is, you know, through six games, you know, the kid that is, he's got another year of eligibility. He's a redshirt his second, his second year at um, Ole Miss. And... You know, he's running the ball effectively, he's throwing the ball effectively, and I think, you know, having that run threat is just going to up your completion percentage by five points because you have the ability to run, so that draws up linebackers, and then what does that leave open? That leaves that 12-yard pass open all the time. You I mean, you're, uh, you know, you have football coaching in your blood, and, and you've done it for some time. I mean, you get that. No one gets that better than you. But I think they got a little run-heavy, run um, in in that Clemson game, and they and they realized that they got run run heavy with the option of running with him with Garrett, and then you you, know, you left someone else not running the ball that should be running the ball, and so it almost it almost looked super predictable that they were going to try to get him to throw the ball or hand it off to someone um, someone else in, other than you know him him with a design run play. So for, first play from scrimmage, pick six, and it was it was fairly predictable that they were going to try to throw the ball a little bit more. So, and I believe we also talked about the Clemson game. He was the leading rusher. And sure. Tucker had only had five carries. Right. And they, they did try to get Tucker going earlier in this game. They I think they did try to, you know, not have Garrett carry the ball as much. And, you know, when you rely so much on the RPOs, you you can't control it. You can't control if it's going to be a run or a pass. And you, you call it with the intention of expecting it to be a pass or a run right but depending on the read you don't know so it screws up your count the other thing you mentioned i believe was the time of possession um because it's been a forgotten stat you know with with the avenue of the spread offense with you know having less plays scoring more that came into effect here as well the time of possession starting off you know you're, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball Mm-hmm. And you had him very uh, rated very highly overall, Schrader, as a run runner and a passer. Yeah, I just think you you know at, with another year of eligibility left, he played in the SEC with some success, 
And I wouldn't say he was lighting up the ACC, but I mean, he was doing all the things that you're looking for. He was possessing the ball. I mean, he's got, what, 14 throwing touchdowns and he's got five picks. Um, you know, you just look for a real positive touchdown interception rate. He, you know, he runs the ball effectively, and that's what that's what they're looking for at the next level right now. You're not just looking for someone who's a pocket passer. And I think he was on a lot of folks' radar. I mean, not to get picked in the first few rounds, but somewhere deep in the draft to go as someone who could, you know, project to have, you know, some ability at the next level, play on Sundays, as they say. But, you know, the last two games, he's done um, – kind of a lot to hurt himself, whether it's offensive coordinating or whether it's moves he's making out there and their calls that he's making, it's pretty irrelevant. He's had a tough couple of days and a couple of tough Saturdays. But I just think that the ability's there. He's got another year to do it, and he's just got to finish strong here. Again, they're playing against Pitt um, at Pitt next week, and there are three-and-a-half-point dogs there. You know, uh, Syracuse somehow is still ranked um, um, in the, you know, the playoff rankings. Uh, they're... They dropped to 20. I think in the other poll, they're 22, which I think is, which is you know very favorable. I don't, I don't, I don't see them there at this point, but that's okay. But there were a lot of good things too. I mean, you know, Carlos Del Rio Wilson comes in in the second half after kind of an undisclosed injury. We learned later that it may have been a head injury, maybe suffered from a previous game, and he just didn't look right to coach. And you know, he said was, he came in hurt. Yeah, and, and that was the thing. It was from previous games, what it sounded like. And it just seemed very mysterious for him not to be playing in the second half. But, you know, with all that's gone on with head injuries and Tua and, and you know, Russell Wilson, like all these guys, I mean, better safe than sorry. You know, and that's that's an interesting culture because I think guys, I mean, not to get into the psychology of it, this could be a segue for later, but the, yeah, the there, there was, well, there's, there was the old adage of, Rub know, some dirt on it. Rub some dirt on it, or, you know, it's just, you know, to go back to the War of 1812, I hate to go that far back, but, uh, you know. I don't think you're down. Commodore Perry, uh, you know, damn the torpedoes uh, full speed ahead. Ooh. I mean, it's just. I don't know. They can't, but what I'm saying is, like, it's, it's a real tough thing for guys. I mean, we're, we're taught that, you know, rub some dirt on it. You're tough if you stick out an injury. Um, but now we're getting all kinds of mixed signals where that's probably not the best move. And, you know, especially if it's a head injury. Um, you know, you better, you know, you'd rather be, you know, safe than sorry. So it, it's, it's a tough thing. And, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things for, for him to come back out and play the second half versus what could be a long-term uh, injury, especially a head injury, I think it's great that he did keep him out. But it was mysterious to everyone watching the game. No one really knew. There wasn't a lot of feedback on what was going on. And that's become a huge part of, you know, a broadcast, a sports broadcast now is to get in-game updates. And we didn't really get that on him. So that was a little confusing. And you said as well, Notre Dame was coming in four and three unranked. Right. And you also noticed the the line, which was telling. They're at, you know, playing at Syracuse in the Dome. Six yeah. and one. Right. And they're giving a point. They were giving. Does that make any giving sense? Giving a point. Well, I mean, it seems like they knew what they were talking about. And that's, you really got to look at, you know, I hate to tip the cap too much to Vegas, but they have a finger to the pulse of what's going on. And that's probably how I saw that game too. But but if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, it wasn't so much of a tip of the cap to Notre Dame as it was a little bit of disrespect to Syracuse. Because, you know, Syracuse 6-1, their only losses against Clemson, and they should have won that game, right? We've talked about that extensively, but... What, look at Notre Dame's record. I mean, they, they lose to Marshall at home, uh, Stanford at home. Um, in Ohio State, that's okay to lose to Ohio State. Ohio State could be one or two or somewhere in there in the, um, the playoff rankings right now. But, um, 
you know, they beat Cal, and that, I mean, that wasn't, that was a fairly close game. They should have really taken care of business in that one, but it's not a great Notre Dame team, you know, with years gone by where, you know, they're a playoff team or even years ago winning national championships left and right, but it's not a great Notre Dame team. It was a great chance to, you know, kind of wipe the slate clean after losing a game that they probably should have won at Clemson. Um, as far as notoriety goes, as far as recruits watching the game on television goes, it's a great chance to get right back in front of everyone and take care of business at home. And it just wasn't close. Do you believe in the theory of the letdown game? Because they, they get themselves up, you know, for the Clemson game. It's a heartbreaker. Oh, Notre Dame doesn't look as good on paper. We don't come in as hot. We don't give as much energy or the, the best effort and that cost them. I've always wondered about that because people say there's trap games either way. Yeah, I mean, if it was Pitt, you know, no disrespect to Pitt. If it was BC or Pitt or someone like that, I can understand. But it's Notre Dame. a team with as much you know notor notoriety over the decades as Notre Dame, if you can't get up for that game at home, then, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a real motivation issue. But you know, I see what you're saying. If it was someone else, I can understand that. But I mean, again, they're going right back on the road. You know, they're three and a half point dogs, you know, at Pitt, Pitt unranked, but they flirt, they were flirted with, you know, being a, a ranked team in the high teens, low 20s, you know, in the beginning of the season, first three weeks. So you have a formidable foe at Pitt. So this is a huge wake up game. This is a, I don't want to say a make or break game, but it, it's kind of a show me game. I mean, where are you at? Where are you at between the years? I mean, where, where are you at ability wise? If you, you've got to pick up that game. Pitt is a formidable opponent on the road and you know if you're the team that everyone thinks that you are you're still ranked in the top 20 top 25 you got to take care of that game you know and it's but it's going to define their season because one more loss they're not in the money bowl right yeah three, three they're, they're in a early december bowl they're in the you know the ajax bowl or the you know whatever the you Mike want to call it. Bowl, sure you know. and there's nothing wrong with that you still get some you get some national exposure, it helps with recruiting, but you just get a different crop of guys. I mean, if you can somehow right the ship and be, you know, nine and three or eight and four and, and get in a bowl game that's played at least around Christmas time, just the more people watch it. I don't really watch the bowl games that are right after Thanksgiving or um, in early December. You know, if I'm really bored with my son and we need to get a bet in, a lot of bet in because, you know, we're getting the shakes, then yeah, yeah, maybe I'll watch it, but that's about the only reason. And the other thing I remember you, you pointed out was Notre Dame keeping the ball on the ground. Now they're also playing with their backup quarterback. They came in, they wanted to control the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. They wanted to control the time of possession, like you said, but the, the numbers are outrageous. If you if you possess the ball, unless you throw a pick six. On the first play. On the first play, then no one, then the other team can't score, especially if you're gonna run the ball. And, you know, I just don't love the analysis from some really high-end sports, you know, media outlets saying, Boy, they really exposed Syracuse run defense. I don't think they did at all. Josh, how can you say that? They ran for, you know, 246 yards. Well, they also ran it 56 times. Yeah. I mean, 4.4 yards a carry with the monsters that Notre Dame has on the offensive line. No. I think Seiko could have probably. Yeah, I just, I just think 4.4 yards a carry. I don't, if, if someone were to say to you, they're going to run the ball. 56 times you would already say you're gonna lose the game because because you would possess the ball for you know 35 plus minutes which Notre Dame possessed the ball for 37 plus minutes you know so so that's always a bad sign but if you only gave up 4.4 yards a carry that's kind of a win against the, that that offensive line I mean you're always going to recruit offensive linemen at Notre Dame it's, it's just a, it's like a program. get dirty 
you know, big, you know, big, you know, kid having program. That's always that's always the way it's going to be. Like you watch Rudy. And I, I hate Rudy, by the way. You don't like that one. I despise Rudy. Yeah, I'm I'm medium on it. Yeah. Slow clap is passable. I enjoy that a little bit, but. Um, you know, you, you see the kids, you know, come into the locker room and they all put the, you know, that, that, was, down. that was false, by the way. I'm sure it, it was, real life. but I mean, you can tell the boys that were on the they, offensive line. That's for sure. That's what I'm trying to say is that they're always going to have the biggins on that team. And, you know, that's such a misleading stat. Oh, they gave up 246 on the ground. Well, they also threw the ball 19 times, 19 times. That's like what army and Navy do. You know, that's so not far off. I just think that that's, you gotta, when you look at stats, you gotta be smart on how you look at it. And yeah. Notre Dame has, you know, their, their first-year coach and the offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, I mean, he has been hammered for his lack of innovation on offense. They think that, you know, he, he doesn't come in with an imaginary game plan, sure. you know, trying to do exotic things. Yeah. And 56 times, the Notre Dame fans would not be happy with that. Yeah. They would not be happy with that. No. And we'll see what happens from there. Um, their head coach was the first head coach in Notre Dame history to start off 0-3. Yeah, that could be problematic for a fan base kind of used to winning. I would yeah. say Notre Dame football is kind of used to winning. Yeah, yeah. And like a new coach at Duke or Syracuse basketball. Speaking of which, we got to kind of lobby for Steve Nash maybe to head uh, towards Central New York. Yeah, you were very, a little very, job, con job very concerned there. about Steve Nash. Or I, I think it was your surprise about Steve Nash. Yeah. Yeah, we'll didn't, get, didn't see it coming. I'll get to that, but I just there are some there are some bright spots. I mean, it, I just think if Syracuse gets in the locker room and they talk about what's happening, I think you're in great shape. I mean, if Garrett's in good shape between the years, if he feels good physically, but we don't um, know from the top down. We don't know, and that's okay for them not to disclose that. That's okay. It's not. I don't feel like it's really super my right to know. I mean, if he's feeling great, then he'll get back out there and throw it a you know 67 to 70 percent completion percentage run the ball a little bit but also hand it off to our boy Sean Tucker of course I just think it's who was a Heisman a, exactly so I mean you gotta you've got to utilize that you can't just keep thinking you're Lamar Jackson because you're not quite there if Lamar Jackson we were talking about this if Lamar Jackson is a B plus pocket passer and he's an A to A minus rusher of the ball That's for a dual threat I think Garrett, as he stands, if he were to play at the next level, would be a B minus thrower of the football and a C plus running after. He'd be more like a, uh, you know, who would you say? Who would you say for? Uh, I'd say side? Daniel Jones, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty good comparison, and he can run when when he needs to, and, but he and it hurt. looks good, yeah. and he gets hurt a lot. But that's going to happen at the next level when you, everyone is twenty percent taller and twenty percent bigger, right? So that's you're going to get hurt. 20% more of the time, you know, sports, it might not be sexy. I think it is, but it's all, it all kind of comes down to numbers. And so. you said, looking at Schrader's numbers, 1,600 yards passing, 14 touchdowns, five interceptions. I would not have guessed that. Yeah. I would not have guessed he'd been playing that well. But go a step further with Syracuse football. I mean, if you get another year out of Garrett, that's great. Um, but you've got someone waiting in the wings in Carlos Del Rio Wilson. I mean, he had, a, he had a nice second half. I mean, he... He's 11 for 22 for 190 yards. I mean, those stats are a little inflated. Why? Because they were down they in the second half right. and he needed to throw it more. But I just, I mean, people need to do a better job of understanding stats and, and what they show and what they don't show. And once you get that, then you can get in there and coach that team up and say, here's how we're going to win at Pittsburgh, you know? And, and I think 
they win they win that game and they've really righted the ship. And then I start to care a little bit less about what happened the two weeks previous. And it's their it would be their first seven plus win season since twenty seventeen, which was when Babers came in. Yeah. They struggled the last two years. And I think as you like to say, the glass is half full. Sure. And it's gonna help recruiting. It's yeah. gonna at least get them the opportunity to go to a bigger bowl. Eight wins gets them into a, at least a money bowl. Yeah. And the sky is the limit. And I just think the expectations were so low going in this year mm -hmm. that nobody truly believed in them. But we, we also talked about your segue into the NFL, the Giants and Jets off to a great start. Mm -hmm. And I believe we also talked about the unpredictability versus the parity mm -hmm. of the NFL. Yeah, And you said if anyone thought that the Giants and the Jets would have six plus wins going in, that they're, they're, they're lying. Right, and I think it's gonna kinda, the ship's gonna kinda get righted. And I think that, you know, I think those numbers are gonna come a little bit back to the mean. Like if you started the season with that roster versus everyone else, in their respective, you know, divisions, I think you would say, you know, both of those teams would be somewhat fortunate to be um, a 500, 500 team. That, but now with 17 games, you can't be. So I think that's kind of interesting. A lot of people like, oh, eight and eight, or it's just not a thing anymore. So you have nine no, and eight sounds fun. Yeah, doesn't it? So, so I think that's the kind of race. Can they get to that number? Because that that would be a win of a year for both, even though they both started off really well. I just, you know, I I haven't. Taking a look at the schedule moving forward, what they have left. I mean, you know, clearly, um, you know, the, the Jets are going to have to, you know, sneak into, you know, the whole Buffalo situation. They're a pretty solid team up there in Orchard Park, so I, I don't think that will bode well for for them when they, you know, they they sneak in there with the Bills again. And you know, Giants, who are they going to have to play again? You know, who are they going to have to play? For the, I mean, you have all of a sudden Dallas is on fire. That division yeah. has gotten so much better and we just didn't see that happening. It, you you also team, talked about Philly, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. I hear they they're off to a relatively strong start. So, you know, they're they're not going to be, you know, I don't think either of those teams are going to be 3 or 4 games above 500 when uh, the whistle blows at the end of that season, but you know, wherever they wherever they end up, it's been very exciting to have, you know, the New York teams off to such strong starts and such such optimism with some franchises whose fan base has probably been a little disappointed in the, over the last half decade to decade for the Jets. Well, the half Jets century. For life, it's called a half century. Um, you know, John Namath hasn't been making Super Bowl predictions for quite some time. Um, so, but the, the the Giants. I mean, we talked about this. The, the I used to be a Giants fan, but they have struggled the last few years with injuries. Jones has been injured. Barkley's been injured. They've had injuries on the line. They haven't really had anyone for him to throw to. And they got the gang back together. Everyone's been healthy. And they've been off to a great start. They go on the road to Seattle in a game that they should win. And Seattle is, you know, you have looked at the numbers and vigorously defended their starting quarterback, Geno Smith. Everyone thought Seattle was crazy. You're going to go in the season with Geno Smith as your starter and you just traded Russell Wilson away. Mm -hmm. You feel differently. Yeah, I just think, um, you know, Russell Wilson hadn't had a whole lot of decline in his numbers, but over the last year, you could just kind of see it sneaky trending in the wrong direction. So I feel like if you're going to hand out 
a contract to him that would feature annual salaries in the upwards of almost $50 million a year, you better be really sure that that last season, although it wasn't unspectacular. He had, but I mean, he had been throwing 40. Right. The last few years. Right. And his yards per carry were a little bit down. So, so the quick twitch muscles are maybe slowing down just a touch, but I don't think it's that. I, I mean, if he didn't feel good about where the franchise was going, he, I mean, he we was all a know high that, character guy, and then he just kind of like yeah, it was a real weird transition. It's almost as if he felt like that team's window was closing. So if he couldn't play GM to a degree, then he didn't super care to be there, which is just a tough thing. He was a good locker room guy. Yeah, he was a great locker room guy. You know, and and I don't, I'm not saying that he's not necessarily now, but I think it's a very human thing to feel like underappreciated yeah i mean your mortality is an issue as a football player especially you feel like your window closes maybe a little earlier than it actually is because you hear about it i mean think about it. he's a quarterback who's you know in he's his early, early 30s and yeah exactly and you know he sees all this you know talk about tom brady and and you know maybe he's lost a step rogers, and his window is closing and rogers is having a tough time so maybe he reads all that and he sees the writing on the wall maybe my window's closing in seattle and so he he wants you know if, if he's going to be cooking he wants to handle the ingredients you know whatever metaphor you want to use for playing a, a bigger role in the team that you put on the field like i can get that i can get that but that's got to stay private but the, the the contract is one thing so I, I can't believe what they traded for yeah so they get they get all those things i, I know that you researched that a little bit more so what what did um it was two first round picks it was two second round picks a fourth and a fifth so Seattle gets that. And right? they traded the quarterback, Paxton Lynch, who, who hasn't been doing much. Right. And, and I think they traded Drew Locke as well. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible trade. And then Denver turns around and gives him that number. Right. So, so if we were to tell you before the season, so he gets the numbers in front of us. So if we were to tell you before the season, you got two quarterbacks, you know, through this point in the season, you know, someone would throw for 1,900 yards, 13 touchdowns, only three picks, and then you had another seven quarterback. Seven games, too. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, two touchdowns a game, that's not too shabby. Uh, and not throwing it to the other team, and we talked about it. I mean, everyone wants to talk about this stat or that stat, quarterback rating, QBR. Like, can you just not, can you just not turn it over well, they like the all the time? Can you, can, you just, can you just not turn the ball over? Can you not lose time of possession can you not lose an opportunity to score the football, whether it be three points or seven points, or just pin the other team? It's not always about scoring in the NFL, especially this year. How many unders are hitting? I mean, just possess the football. So 13 touchdowns, three picks, 1,900 yards through this point in the season, and then another one through for under 17, six touchdown passes, four picks. And by the way, the one who threw for 13 and three is on a one-year deal, which gives your team all kinds of flexibility in the future. We haven't even talked about that. On a, you know, three, under three and a half million dollar deal. And the other one is on almost a $50 million a year deal. And, and, that, and you're tied up for five, and you're tied up for years. And I'm not even worried about the 49 because I don't pay it, right? We it, talk yes, about this yes. all the time. Yeah. We don't have to pay that salary. If I'm a Broncos fan, I don't care that they're paying $49 million a year. No one ever talks about that, and they should. And, you know, but 
you have no flexibility when you have someone for five years. You're just so committed to that. And the guy that, I mean, obviously we're talking about Geno Smith and Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson. So, but I mean, 13 touchdowns, three picks, one-year deal, three and a half million dollars. You've got to be kidding me. So not only are you paying him nothing, you have all the flexibility to move on if you wanted to. So is he creating a huge payday? Yeah, but we'll worry about that later. This but year, you, but you defended Geno Smith up and down, which yeah. I did not. So you got You've got to toss. If you look at his stats, you've got to you got to toss the stats from a not so talented team that just had you know loser all, written all over their forehead. You know, um, and yeah, yeah. you just got to you got to toss his first few years. You can look at those stats all you want, but why would you? You're a kid who's just coming out of school, second round draft pick. Is that right? Second round, and so he thinks he's. He thinks he's the man. He comes in there to a not-so-talented team. They throw him another to fire, right and he burns. And then he gets a little older, a little wiser. You still have you know, the ability to move around. You still have a great arm, but you see the game, and it just it's happening slower to you. And it slows down, and you can make those passes. You can make those reads. You can take a sack. You can throw it, you can throw it in the bushes. You can throw it to the cheerleader once you get out of the pocket and just start again from the same spot on the line of scrimmage. Don't take you know, a 1,000 sacks. Um, you know, no more butt fun fumbles for the Jets, and that's great. But at the same time, I mean, they just, you've got a great quarterback in Seattle, and he was, he's been great since he's been given an opportunity, since he's matured a little bit, and he's been essentially been a backup. You and know? you looked at his numbers, and you pretty much guessed them to a T, the, the, the numbers that he had over the years. And we always talked about it. This is the first year, like, he's had something around him. Yeah, you know he and and they're not depending on him to do it all. Right, and you know you talk about it all the time a GM, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, it's hockey. It doesn't really make any difference. It's sometimes it's the decisions you don't make, a decision to not extend um, Russell Wilson, and you you go with your gut and you go with someone. And you're like, you know what? I think this guy has some ability. I think that there are some numbers in there in the last few years whether he was a starting quarterback or a backup quarterback, where I think if he's given a shot in the right setting, this guy could really flourish, and he, and he has. And, you know, tip of the cap to Geno, no question, but how about a tip of the cap to the GM in the front office in Seattle for saying, we're going to stick with this guy, save all kinds of money. I mean, find me someone else who has spent $3.5 million on the guy who touches the ball in every play, the quarterback, and they're getting that kind of production out of three and a half million dollars, it's, it's been, just yeah, rookies. That it just that. just doesn't happen. And how, how do rookies usually fare in the NFL, right? A rookie quarterback, or a second year quarterback. So and you're 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 absolutely right. And there are so many quarterbacks that have washed out of the league, first round picks that have have gotten a year to two years. Like I, Josh Rosen was a top pick, Arizona. He goes to Miami. I mean, he, he was on a practice squad last year. He's not in the league. Geno Smith is after 10 plus years i was i was very surprised at that yeah and your your line you know because we were we were talking about cars yeah and and i i i'll, I'll let you say the good yeah one. it's just the metaphor of and russell wilson can bounce right back there's no question does he have the tools that that seattle has i mean i would i would love to be able to tell you that but i i can't do the numbers on you know where the fantasy rankings are with um you know people that are going to touch the ball receivers tight ends i don't i don't know um, you know, the skill set that receivers have. And maybe it's not a fair comparison and maybe it's not apples to apples. And I always, you know, if I'm going to talk about this stuff, I want to concede very when I know points and when I don't know points. But, you know, Russell Wilson's looking a lot like, you know, buying a brand new sports car 
and you know you take it home and it, it breaks down all the time and it's getting you know 10 miles to a gallon and right now Gino Smith is just looking like you went you know you were down on your luck and you went to the used car lot and you know you picked that's up where car I go for, away, so. for a few grand and it's getting great gas mileage and it's you know it's getting the job done it's point A to point B in you, which is all you're looking for anyway. So. Well, I don't get great gas mileage, but I did go to the used car lot. Very just, good. Just so you know. Very good. And I, I want to just get a, a quick take on Aaron Rodgers as well, because he's another one, you know, he was very unhappy the last couple of years. That I don't know how they worked it out. Nobody really saw that coming. That Everyone thought Rodgers was going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gets what he wants. He gets the payday. And he still, by all his mannerisms, by the team's record, by some of his numbers, he he just doesn't seem like he's there. He's got that deer in the headlights look. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is you you drop all that kind of money on a quarterback, then it just you know it just uh, it restricts kinda, you. It puts you in a tough spot for filling out that roster with people that are going to be you know puzzle pieces that are going to make it fit. I mean, Brady did it forever in New England. He always took a huge pay cut so that they could bring other people in. And they didn't need to be big-name guys. I mean, but they needed to be talented guys that would buy into a system. Good locker room guys. You know, and like, you know, Edelman. I mean, you're going to tell me all these other teams would have wanted him? I mean, it's it's just it's just really simple. I mean, do you, do you have some physical ability? Yes. Then Tom Brady wants you. And are you going to buy into a system? You are. Or else you're going to get cursed out on national television for... 16, 17 games, and that's fine too. I, I, you know, from all accounts, I hear that his offensive line and you know people that are running the routes don't have any problem getting them talking to from the goat. But well, when you win, yeah, when you win, you know, now they're three and five, and you know maybe things will be a little bit different now. But I just think that Aaron Rodgers just, you know, like you said, he got his payday, and I'm not saying he's just satisfied with that. I'm sure he really wants to win, but it's not coming across that way, and it's not. He seems checked out. In yeah, my I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I just i I think there's a difference. Like if you're underachieving in three and five, or you know whatever their record is, I, I think they're three and five. Three and five. Um, but if you feel like the ingredients are there for a big turnaround, I mean, they forever they were a thirteen and three team. No matter how they started, they always finished strong. And the division and, was poor too. Right. Yep. And now you get the Vikings off to a, a great start. I mean, they're a sprinter this year. They're off to a fantastic start. But you know, I think if if he if he felt like there was a turnaround that was imminent, I think he would have a different a- attitude. And I just don't think I mean, there's a lot you can tell in the body language in you know in his press conferences and what he says and he's always seeming to be on a podcast and he speaks very freely and there's there's a lot of value in that. I mean we talk we about my, communication. We'll we'll uh lava lava call in okay. or uh just wanted to ask if that's we'll, possible. We'll, we'll see what we can do. That's in the budget I don't I know, know he's a golfer. Maybe we can get him on from that direction. But I just you know, his body language is he's always kinda of slumped over and, and you know he's a very casual guy it seems like sometimes he'll he'll struggle finding the razor um, as far as shaving goes, and that's fine. He's not playing for the Yankees. He doesn't need to shave. But um, he just seems checked out. It's harsh, but I don't think you're too far off there. Just everything seems to be very casual, and it seems like there's no real um, urgency for him to you know, got, grab the guys by, by the collar and just say, hey, let's go. Let's, go. let's, get, let's get this you know, thing going in the right direction. Um, now, let me ask you this because I'm obviously different, but... When you've had a rift like that and it's over a couple of years and you feel disrespected, 
do can you accept an apology give forgiveness and move on or is it, it, it even though they say the right words even though you say i i appreciate it thank you for apologizing you're forgiven is it still in the back of your head is it something or are there some things you cannot get over is is that mean you know aaron Rodgers directed to the front office for them not picking up receivers and always drafting defensive players is that what you kind of mean yeah, yeah yeah and you know he wanted say in personnel and you know especially they drafted jordan love in the first round mm -hmm. and like can you come back from that? I mean, does he still, you know, yeah. they paid me, well, they extended me, but. I mean, talk about that. I mean, you don't even, you don't even draft an offensive lineman. I mean, not even someone to throw it to, someone to, someone to keep it easier for you to throw the ball. So there you go, defense all the time. And then, and then after it's talked about, because it went under the radar for a long time, I feel like. I think about two or three years ago, they started talking about how they never, you know, pick, you know, a, a skill player. Not that it doesn't take skill to play offensive line. I'm sure. I'm sure that it does. Well, we get in the way, right? I mean, that's your job, and, and if you're good at that, that has such value, both on the run game and on the passing game. But you know, I think it went under the radar until about two years ago. Then all the boys at ESPN and, and all those guys started kind good. of talking about that. And Adam Schefter loves at it. that point in time, he does love talking. He loves it. He likes to stir the pot over there with Aaron Rodgers, but. It's not as if that stuff had gone unnoticed by Aaron Rodgers, but so then it was talked about. And then they kept taking defensive players or not skilled positions in the first two rounds. And then they go and take a quarterback. From BYU. Yeah. Nothing wrong with BYU, but right. From but I just, BYU. You, you go and, and pick the position. Okay, obviously you need an heir to the throne, whether he stays or he goes in free agency or he goes via trade. But you're also, it also looks like you're protecting in case he does go not just an heir to the throne so it was like the dual threat of protection if you know if he does go i mean it was just it was the toughest it was a shocker for him to handle but guess what aaron Rodgers could have done he could have not signed that deal and stayed there so uh, and they let him host jeopardy that's and they let him host jeopardy i didn't see that was he any good at that that's important to well me. I, don't, I don't watch jeopardy so i don't i don't know we'll have to they, they said he was but i mean yeah I don't watch jeopardy. Uh, yeah so Questions are too but the But the ultimate decision is, like, if you don't like where you're at, you don't need to be there. Especially if you're, you know, a power-wielding guy such as Aaron Rodgers in the most power-wielding position in maybe all of sports. I mean, if as a quarterback whose contract is nearing an end um, or you have the ability to request a trade, you have a lot of power. Which he did, yeah. And, but, you know, it almost came across in all apologies, but I, I just... It comes across as if he enjoyed the drama of the situation, and I hate to say that about you know any human, male or female, but it's always he didn't to be talk very, to the GM for a year. Yeah, it's always thought of to be very uncouth to talk about a guy that way. You know, it's um, you know, we're always very straightforward. But we're, not, I, we're not great communicators, but I we're very blunt instrument communicators, or so it's supposed to be. And you know, he can just say, "I needed to get out of here. I just can't do it anymore." But but have it be private. I mean, it's, it doesn't have to everything be. is always so public with him, and that's the part that I don't really understand. I mean, look at all the thing, all the things that Brady has gone through in the last you know, few weeks. He doesn't month. run to Twitter. And he doesn't. He releases one statement, and everyone kind of leaves it alone. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, let me put it on. I'll, I'll put it on you, because being a local business owner, you have an employee that you notice may be mildly disgruntled. You don't know why. And they tell some of the other employees that they're disgruntled and it gets back to you 
you bring them in, you have a discussion with them, you find out they may not yeah. be happy, they want a, a few things to be changed. What is your position? It, you didn't hear about it directly from them, you had to hear it indirectly, but then that forces you to have the conversation. Do you save it or are you gonna say, you know what, if you wanna be somewhere else, you're more than welcome to go. Right, yeah, see for me, I would just be more apt to wanna send that person packing. That's right, yeah. Right, right. And I don't understand, see, I don't understand it from either side. That's the thing is, you know, if, like that same situation you talked about in the business, I would just say, you know, I really wish you just came to came me and to said, me. you know, the second you had any issue whatsoever, just come to me and say, hey, you know, I don't love A and B, can we switch that to one and two? And I'd be like, yeah, or, or I'd say I can't. I mean, if whether I could handle whatever resource change that was, then I would do it. And if I couldn't, then I'd say, I appreciate you coming to me and saying that, but I, you know, I can get it to one and two, but I can't get it to three. If that's something that you're interested in, then let's, let's get that done. And if it's not, if that's you know deal breaker for you, then, you know, we can move on amicably the whole, you know, talk about it. And I don't know, I don't know all of it, but I do know that it's in the media all the time. And I just, I get sick of it. You know, I do like the NFL. I really do. I mean, there are, um, well, you, know, you said parody. professionally that I don't care for, but NFL is kind of towards the top of the list for me. And um, no, you're right. It, it really is. I mean, I love to watch it. I mean, I love, you know, put a couple US dollars on it. And, you know, I love to watch it with my son or my friends or whatever. I, I do really enjoy it. But to, to keep hearing. And I do blame ESPN piece. for that. Yeah, as well. I mean, but that's, that's ESPN's turned into TMZ. That's what moves units. I mean, Stephen A to sit there and talk about it all day and. And bring all of his boys in there. Is it entertaining? I mean, to an extent. To an extent. But every so day. wrong all the time. Why? You know what? While we're on that, why isn't there... There should be like a really cool, fun accountability for all the prognosticating those guys do. So, so yeah, if you think that, you know, like he always wants to tease the Cowboys. He hates the Cowboys. He does. He, well, that's because Skip Bayless used to argue with him. Right. But I think but it's yes. carried over. I mean, there's something in there. He really doesn't like it. He can't he can't get enough of them not playing well. Then when they play well, you don't hear a whole lot. But And I'm fine with that. But, you know, if you think that the Cowboys are going to go, you know. Win the NFC East. They're going to go 7-10 and 10 this year. Put it down. And then have a check-in all the time. Have a check-in for what you said was going to happen. And they don't do that that much. Well, they, they Every can't. once in a while, they'll do a flashback when someone's way, way, way off, and they just make a joke about it. But have accountability. Why don't they pick games? They should pick games. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not held to that standard. Every in Friday episode, pick the games. But pick them against the spread. Like if you just sit there and say, yeah, I really see the Bills beating the Lions this week. You know what? Anyone can pick that. Anyone can pick that. I, I don't, I don't but think if the I Bills do. are playing at home against Detroit and the line is 14 and a hook, let's see you pick that game. And then let's talk about it on a Monday morning. It's, it's, it's instant content. But they don't do that. I mean, they, they want to have a take about they who's, the, take. who's the best, best basketball player of all time. Well, you know, um, you, can't, you can't tell. How can you tell? Clutch shots. You know, then you're going to have, you know, people that are way into stats that say, well... The clutch gene is really not a thing, you know. Um, you know David Ortiz and Michael Jordan. You know what they shot. Um, you know what what Ortiz hit in innings seven through nine in one run games over the course of his career isn't it a big enough sample size? Wow. And what Jordan did in the fourth quarter uh, playoff series in in games that either faced elimination or would would clinch. You know what he shot from the floor. Like 
they would just say it's too small of a sample size. And I'm somewhere in between on that. You know, I think there's something to be said for those stats, but when they're a small sample size, you know, like at A-Rod, he didn't play on great teams, so he didn't play in the postseason very often. So um, he's got a bazillion at-bats in his career and played appearances, and I don't know if these numbers are correct. Let's say he was a 292, 380, 530 guy, which is probably embarrassingly close to what his career well, stats are. Well, it was are. the 700 home runs, right? He got the right. 700. So, and then in the postseason, let's say his yeah, career batting average is 210, on base percentage 330, and his slugging percentage was 400. Well, he has, you know, 110 career at-bats, which isn't even a quarter of a season. You know? And, yeah. No, so it's just it's it's just hard. I mean, stats are really cool until they're really cool unless you don't know how to read them. And so many people don't know how to read them. It's so like, if someone comes to you and says, "Who's the best golfer of all time?" You 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 know golf. You've played golf. Someone blanketly comes out and says, "Best golfer of all time." Can, yeah. can you answer that? I mean, I can answer that, and that's a, probably a pretty easy answer. And the answer is Tiger Woods. I would say the same. You know, but then you have to go back and say, well, Tiger Woods played when Tom Weiskopf was your second best player. Yeah, Tiger would have won 20 majors. But you can't do that. You can't put them back in time. But you can you can transfer stats, I, th I think. I mean, clearly you can't go back to Babe Ruth's era when the average person I was wish we throwing a fastball 84 miles an hour, right? But you can in basketball. So what the big problem with that is, let's go, let's go right to the coach that just got fired today, Steve Nash. Shockingly. So let me ask you this. If, if I were to tell you that he was a great player, you would say yes. Correct. If I were to say he's a two-time NBA MVP, MVP yeah. you would Correct. say, yeah, Josh, I knew that. But if I were to tell you then, and then maybe we'd go in the wrong direction with, with you know, how history has kind of set him up, um, his points per game throughout his career, like 14.5. So you'd be like, wow, that takes a knock there, right? Well, assists, almost nine. He, he, yeah, it was almost a triple-double, I mean. So Steve Nash, you think of as a passer first and foremost, right? Point um, guard, yes. Right, but career, and, and I did look these up, so please understand that. You well, know, you're cheating. Though. I, I have had a date since eighth grade. But I, I mean, what I'm trying to say is I am a nerd, but I mean, I did look these up. I didn't just know them. If I were to say what was his career free throw percentage, what would you guess on that? I'd say 90%. He is, like 90.9. Yeah, he's got to be. But let's go a step further, and I did tell you the answers before we started, but if you asked 20 people that were NBA fans, you know, somewhere between casual fans. Are there 20 NBA even, fans? Like Stephen A. Smith, he shoves the yeah, NBA down our throat every day. I, I just, and and I, likes doing it. Too. I need to look up the numbers on that, on who watches what sports, but... I mean, he, he would far rather talk about, it seems, a regular season NBA game than game three of the World Series, which somehow, somehow, some way, was exciting with a seven-love victory last night with the Phillies. Um, I always like to throw tennis, the love. tennis lines. Well, in you're, the, you're like nice that. to all the my ode to Bill. But um, I just, you know, if I were to ask anyone who has a, who has a better, who has a higher career three-point shooting percentage, Steve Nash or Steph Curry? Everyone. I'd say Steph Curry. Everyone would say that. And that would be correct. It's not true. Yeah. It's not true. It's a tenth yeah. of, it's one tenth of one point. But, I mean, what does that tell you? It just tells you that Steve, Steve Nash should have shot the ball more. But Steve Nash, uh, how many NBA championships did he win? I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't believe he won any. I don't but, think he won any. Yeah. But, but that's, I mean, he didn't, he wasn't cooking with the same ingredients, you know. He wasn't a part of a dream team that had all these people on. They like to play at the together. very tail end of his career with the Lakers, but his second to last year, I think he shot forty-four percent from three. 
Uh, I did look I did look that up and see if there was some sort of big time diminishing skill, and there really wasn't. But he was. You could probably argue, not the last true point guard, but one of the last true point guards. He looked to, to, to distribute the ball. And he could have probably... Scored more. He yeah. could have scored more, and I think that would have done his teams a little bit better. I think he would have, you know, in, in scoring the ball more, I think he would have made his, his, his team better. But if he nestled in there somewhere, and he could have, nestled in somewhere around there 20, 22 points, you know, he would have drawn more attention and been able to distribute the ball even more effectively. You know, it's it's the all-around game that gets you drafted, I think, anymore um, in the NBA. And that's smart. I mean, look at Kevin Herter, you know, local guy from Clifton Park. And um, you had a nice career at Maryland, but he didn't send it, set it on fire. But he just stuffed that stat sheet. I mean, points per game were nice. Grabbed rebounds. He, he you know, he was a dime guy. He was, a, he was an assist guy but he didn't turn the ball over. That looks really attractive. And you can, if you can do that at a high level, I mean, Maryland, you know, Big Ten now, not ACC anymore, but if you can do that at a very high level. Um, but like you've been defending Steve Nash and pointing out his stats. Uh, does that have anything to do with, with his coaching or being surprised that he was fired or just had you reminisce to go back and look at his stats and be surprised? Yeah, you know what it did? It put me in a spot where if, if I'm, if I'm the superstars with the Brooklyn Nets, I've got to listen more. Yeah. I've got to listen it. more. Yeah. I can't just be, you know, two of the five best players in the game now and just dismiss what someone else wants to say. And I'm not saying that happened. I'm not in the locker room. I you, don't you know. Could be. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't have, you know, my ear to the tracks on that one. I don't. But... You can't, I mean, you knew that, you know, that KD didn't love having him there. There was a lot of chat before the season Very that much. he wasn't, I don't know, was he, he wasn't going to report or he just didn't want to play for Steve Nash. Tell me why that is. Is there any, is there any, is there any you on can do Steve that Nash? in the NBA and get away with it. You can in do the it almost NBA, any you sport anymore. That. You know, you can do it almost any sport anymore if you're that good. But I just, why, if you're those guys, don't you feel like you have something to learn? Especially Kyrie. He's a point guard. Yeah, but... When you get to that level and... You're not going to hear anything from anyone. No, but I mean, I, I specifically say the NBA because the NFL, they're a little bit different. They will cut you. They don't have a problem with it. And the NFL, a lot of the times, the money isn't guaranteed. So the NBA, when they cut you, they have to pay you. Right. I think that plays into it. But the NBA, there's so few players, in my opinion, at that elite level that ownership and management will cater to them a little bit more. I've never heard of an NFL team or NFL superstars being able to pick their head coach where I think it's happened several times in the NBA. Yeah, and but it takes player. that generational superstar. I feel like LeBron's probably done that a few times, but you know, I don't mean I'm not trying to take the side of the coach. I'm not I'm not trying that, but it just it just looks looks tough. It looks tough from the outside looking in. Someone who's played the sport, not at a particularly high level, but I can walk and chew gum at the same time. I understand the sport. I just don't understand. I understand sports. Maybe not necessarily that one Being more than any other. But, yeah. but why, why don't you want to listen to what that guy has to say? Is the delivery? You would never. It doesn't matter what podcast. If he went on a podcast or, or if he went on. <laughs> that's right. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't do a podcast without talking about Joe. But if he could go on any podcast, um, sober or not sober. Um, and at some point in time, talk about what it is that he had a problem with with Steve Nash. I think that would do Steve Nash a world of good. It would be great to understand from 
from a you know somewhat high sports IQ sports fan, why is it that you don't want to listen to him? Why don't you want him at the helm? What is going on with that? I think that's a question you can ask Kevin Durant in 20 years, but you can't ask him now because it would just you know, sully his reputation. And, and he doesn't want to talk about that. And Unless it's on Twitter. I just don't understand. But let me ask you this because you played at the college level. I played at the college level. Mm-hmm. Um, was there ever a situation where you had your coach, you met with your coach, and you just said, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I'm going to do my own thing. Right. Or so I know the better. only problem there is is my college golf coach, Dr. Murray Rudisill, was a very nice man. Very nice. Man. Very kind man. He was a very good golfer. Uh, let's call him a career scratch or a, a two handicapper, and he had a nice amateur golf career. But he wasn't, you know, a, a you know, what would you like? So an NBA. An NBA MVP would be the same as if maybe a college golf coach had won a major championship. So I didn't have that. As good as Dr. Murray Rudisill was at golf. And as is good it as Murray? He, Dr. Murray? Dr. Murray Rudisill from Gastonia, North Carolina. As good as he was and, and as well as he could brush the ball with that long putter, he was not a superstar golfer. So, um, But I knew what I had going in there and I knew what I had when I left. So, I mean, I was okay with that. But I don't understand whatever level you're at. You're still just a really good basketball player, and that's the problem with the Kyrie's, and that's the problem with the Kevin Durant's. It's the problem with any any player in any sport who doesn't have humility and doesn't have a sense of humor. You are just a really good basketball player. You are not curing cancer. You are not. You're not changing the world. Mother not Teresa. even by any stretch. And I mean, if you were gonna, if you. If you could have understood that, you would have been able to listen with a little humility. You would have said, I've got some things to learn. I just watched a little uh, mixtape of um, just a highlight reel of Steve Nash this afternoon. Some of the passes he made um, were just absolutely bizarre, yeah. bizarrely ridiculous. He went he went on this one dish. I think it was in the 2002 season. He, he had a dribble where he it was a spin dribble and he went behind his back. Now, I know that sounds impossible, but he did it. And then he passed it like around his neck, and then someone threw it down. It was the prettiest play I'd ever seen. I've watched a lot of basketball. I've watched the greats. I mean, I'm old enough to have watched Magic Johnson, <laughs> Magic Johnson in his prime, um, Showtime out there in LA. I, I watched that. I watched those passes, touch passes behind the back, no look. I get it. He made those passes look archaic. Yeah. And but he also could have scored the ball. You want to go back in time. If Steve Nash could go back in time and just be a scorer, scorer and be a, a scoring point guard like Kyrie, I am telling you right now, with the way he shot the ball and the way he could create space, he would have been a 28-point game a guy. And would that have made his team better or worse? I don't know. I don't know. But do you think he had that mentality uh, that he could have turned it on? And... No. He, he went to Santa Clara. I mean, he was a Canadian guy. Oh, I mean, okay. If you went to Santa Clara, if you played – in that conference, if you know you played in the WCC, the West Coast Conference, so you're playing against Gonzaga, yes, but before Gonzaga was that great, exactly. before Mark yeah. Few, or at the very beginning of his career when he wasn't didn't have a top five team every year, but you're playing. I mean, look at it. You're playing St. Mary's. You're playing. San, you know, he's plays for Santa Clara. You're playing University of San Francisco. No Bill Russell, by the way. He he, he had long been gone. Um, you're playing these teams from out there in University of San Diego. Um, you know, they're not, yeah. Pepperdine, not okay? San Diego. So you're playing against these teams and you know, they're nice enough teams, but they're mid major at best. 
And that's who you get recruited to go to. And Santa Clara wasn't even the best team in that conference. At that point in time, Loyola Marymount. Loyola, I mean, right. They had just come off of the Bo Kimballs and the Hank Gathers. So they were still recruiting well. And they were scoring you know, 120 points a game in a 40-minute game, not a 48-minute game. So that was kind of the West Coast Conference, what they were, look, they were looked at as. And, and so he takes an offer to Santa Clara. Underrated his whole life. So that's just a work thing. Is that an eye-hand coordination thing? Yeah, I mean, to make those passes, you can't have just taught yourself that. But overlooked. Canadian kid overlooked, goes to Santa Clara, someone gives him a shot, and then he has a Hall of Fame career and is the MVP of the NBA for two years. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw Steve Nash didn't see that coming. But you do that. So you're a guy who's worked harder than most everyone else, and you don't want to listen to that? What are you, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing over there? Yeah, yeah. And you I know? Yeah, the, the, it's so, surprising. So publicly, if I can just do this, if I can just do this pub sort of publicly, because who knows? Can you come? Can you come to Syracuse, Steve Nash? Syracuse, Jimmy B. It's got to be. Oh, thinking about you're it. Gonna, you're gonna I mean, go. We've, we've, no we've one's been, gonna listen to the and podcast. And Jimmy B. I, I love it. I mean, I mean, no one's been a bigger supporter of Syracuse basketball other than maybe Buddy Evans from Rome, New York. Yeah, I did. Um, again. But if you, if you could just find a way to be very altruistic, just give me two years. You just want Nash for two years. Give me, give me two years. Can, you, can, can you sign go. a two-year contract? I will find you a beautiful home on, Fayetteville, you know, maybe. maybe, how about Skinny Atlas? Can we put oh, a put right Skinny, Skinny Atlas, Atlas Lake? You know, Hartford you can hang, hang out at Sherwood Inn and hang oh, out there. Yeah. They pour them heavy there. I don't think Steve's a big drinker, but I mean, it's beautiful there. If I can just make a public appeal, Steve Nash, come to Syracuse. It's not called the Carrier Dome anymore, so I can't, I can't really call it that. But can you just, can you just come to Central New York? Can you get the program? Go in the right direction again. Jimmy B's done more than enough. He's so, really put in yeah. his time. You can I'm not call, I'm not calling for Jimmy B to be done just yet, but, but I you think are. we're moving towards that. Yeah, I think Jimmy moving. would probably love to put the clipboard down sometime soon. But I mean Julie if, would like him to. If yeah, I'm sure she would. But I mean, of all the jobs that are open, I mean that's a pretty desirable college job. That'll be open. Wow. You know, Mike Hopkins didn't want to wait for that, and I understand that. I mean, well, there was a time years. there was a time where he thought he was, you know, he was gonna, you know, have the finger pointed his way, and he, he wanted right, to go. He wanted to head out west to get a, a, a spot out there, and he's done nicely at Washington. But I didn't just think, think of that. You're right, Steve. Talk to us. Don't you think that might be fun? Yeah, that didn't even I, hear, my mind. I hear the winters walking across campus at SU are just not cold at all. Was this planned all along? I, you brought up Steve Nash, and I knew you wanted to talk about that. I, was this in the back of your mind? It was that a little bit. The whole thing was going to be... It was a little bit. I wanted to come I talked track. about this at the Syracuse YMCA, wow. West Ave, uh, walking the track with my brother, Wes Cup. Um, we talked about this. He said, no way in a million years. I said, Steve Nash seems like a guy who would just be one of those guys who makes a, a purely altruistic move and a nice guy move. Well, who thought he'd be unemployed? Um, I mean, if you were reading, if you're reading the, you know, the tea leaves, you would know that that was the case. But I just think, you know, if you're an NBA team or a super high-end college program was looking to put someone in there, and Steve still wants to coach. I mean, like your first... Your first go at it, and that's the experience you have. You know, the guys trying to run you out of town, uh, don't want to listen. That's pretty brutal for someone who has that resume and that pedigree. Just really tough. He's a nice guy too. He's by all accounts. I, I watched so. I, the one. I mean, I don't watch a lot of NBA, but I watched the game where he had a meltdown last weekend, and I loved it. He was just defending his guys. He's got a guy out there who hasn't played much over the last few years, and he's having a real tough time shaking the rust off. 
and he thought he got fouled and he went ballistic defending his guy. And I thought that was one of the coolest things. He was incensed on the sideline. Ben Simmons. Show you care. Ben Simmons. I mean, is there a person since Penny Hardaway who has had more basketball demons trying to come back from injuries, um, maybe falling out of love with the game? Um, May not have loved it that much to begin with. Though, yeah, and that's fine. I mean, you get a game shoved down your throat since you're four. Yeah. You're going to fall out of love with it. But, I mean, since Penny Hardaway, I don't know that there's been a guy who's just had so much ability and have it just kind of leave, whether it be through injury or the space between your ears. I mean, I have a lot of love for that. And he looks like he is trying. And if you're trying that hard and you feel like you're not getting calls at the same time and your coach goes absolutely ballistic. And that was only because of that. He wasn't trying to show the front office that he cared. He was sticking he wasn't up. He was trying to save his job. He was yeah. sticking up for a guy who's been just taken through the ringer. And if you don't see that, I can't help you. I mean, understand sports. If you're not going to understand them, then this isn't your podcast. Because well, we don't talk about that stuff. And no one's talking about it. Did anyone talk about? Well, that? it's not a hot take, and it's got to be. It doesn't stir people up, and you know Stephen A. Smith isn't saying it. Everything now, people can't look at stats. People don't look at the game objectively. They look at it to oh, this is stirring the pot. I, I want to know the controversy here. You know what can that, I argue about with Michael Irvin? That that's what's interesting. And I love Michael Irvin. And I love Stephen A. Smith, but I don't. Love you got to go a step further. When you do it every day. When you do it every day, every so day. Yeah. I can understand you're just looking for the hot tickets and to get giggles, and and that's gonna get giggles. But Steve Nash, I mean, you want to talk about what should be a really hot commodity? If you guys can just listen to a guy, you're Kyrie. You decided to go in the other direction. You tried to score 28 points a game, 26 points a game. You tried to be he's selfish, a little no, more selfish. I don't know, but he can score. I mean, he can. He shoots career probably forty percent from three. That's insane for a high-end point guard or shooting guard who actually tries to score, so shoots more. That number is unbelievable. I mean, what do you think Kobe Bryant's career three-point percentage so, was? Or Steve Nash or Kyle Allen Iverson, twenty-nine, and I'll get to that. Do I? I mean, the the jury's out on the coaching side. You don't know how to answer that because how many games did he coach? I mean, as a player, as a player, Kyrie and Nash. Where do you go? It's a great question. I mean, I'm sitting there sounding like that's like I'm just defending Nash to the gills, but at the same time, I I want wins and I want a a happy team, a productive team. I want to see a three to one assist to turnover ratio. Those are the things that I want to see. And he lived at three to one. Like he was three to one every year. Easily. You know? and, and that's the thing is dish the ball out. But if you don't have any better options for scoring, then you've got to shoot the ball. That's what it really comes down to in the game. How can I distribute the ball so that my team collectively shoots a higher happy, percentage yeah. from the floor? It's not even about keeping them happy. I mean, you have to shoot 50% from two. And if you're not shooting 34% from three, three, you shouldn't shoot the ball from three. And that's where LeBron James hovers. LeBron James, he he hovers at 35, 34%. And he is a good shooter, but... He can do what he wants. Yeah, but Kyrie shoots 39, 40% as a career, and that's a green light. You shoot. You're shooting over 34%, you shoot. But Steve Nash... So game seven of the NBA Finals... Who do I want? Yeah, that's what... I gotta know who the cast is. If the cast is Kevin Durant, um, you know, if he's one of the guys in the cast, then I want you scoring 21 points. I know it's just hard to push a button, and I get that, Steve. It's hard to push a button where, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna score 21 points and have eight assists a game. 
No, because every game's more different than, than fourteen people. and eleven, yeah. right? But what is your cast? If your cast of characters is really strong, then I need you to be an eleven assist, twenty point guy. But could you ask Kyrie to do what Steve Nash did? Could you ask him to score less, distribute more? Can he do it? Will you win? He won't do it. That's my point. He won't do it. Steve and Nash can go why, the other way. That's why he's out of a gig. And I hate saying that. When someone's out of a job, you assume that they didn't do their job well. And I just don't think that was the case. No, no. I wasn't there. I'm not in the huddles. But okay? that's, that's I'm the, not in the locker room. Such a tough But if situation. I had to guess on basketball IQ... Yeah. motivational ability there's no way there's no way he's out of a job for either of those two reasons no no but it's managing it's managing personalities at that level we and there, know there's, that. there's a lot of them but can you give me can you give me a young team in the nba and if i watch the game steve i can tell you what team this is but i don't watch the game i don't either so if i watch the game and there was a young solid team that was hungry and wanted to listen if you're an nba fan you know who you are. Well, if that team's playing well, they're not going to lose their coach anytime soon. But if you put Steve Nash at the helm of that team, you can't tell me they wouldn't be five wins better. If your wins above replacement as a coach is five, that's your guy. And because you got off to a one in five start or whatever the Nets got off to this year, you weren't one in five because of Steve Nash. And whoever the next coach is, it might work for a couple of games because they got to do whatever they wanted to do and they didn't hear it in the huddle for being selfish or I, I asked you to pass the ball here or I drew up this play and you didn't run it. I mean, will they play better for a, for a short stretch? <laughs> yeah, probably. But over the long haul, you know, they're not going to be a one in five team multiplied out to 82 games. They're not going to be. They're not going to be. But their strength, the schedule to start was high. Why? Because the NBA wanted ratings out of the gate. So who did they play out of the gate? They played tough teams out of the gate. Well, let me let me ask you this because you you made a pitch for him to come to Syracuse. Yeah. Can he come to Syracuse, take a college job, recruit, and have success? Do you see that? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Okay. If Steve Nash came to Syracuse, they would have a top twenty-five team in two years, and if he stuck it out beyond that two-year contract, that I'm. Just trying to get him his little starter baby. You don't guy. want to give him more security. If he came, years. if he came for five years, I think by years four or five, you could win a national championship. That's that's a bold statement. It is a bold, statement, a bold statement, statement, and will it ever happen? How many did Bayheim win? Two, one. Well, I thought it was. Two. Well, it should they have had been a chance. Two. Should have been yeah. two. So you had Steve Alford uh, and Keith Smart prevented us from. That. Oh, the, I think that Steve Alford that had team. five or six threes and. In 87, and I think that was a tough year for sports. That was they, the one they lost to Indiana? That was a tough two-year yeah. stretch. So so the Sox, you know, up 2-0 in the World Series and lose in 86 to the Mets. And then the tough loss with Ronnie Sykley, Derek Coleman, oh, Aaron Douglas. Likely. I mean, look at that team. You don't win. You don't win. It. Come on. you got to win an NCAA tournament. But didn't they play in the third national championship or they, they mm, made it to the final four? Yeah, it was Mississippi like State. I don't know who they lost to. No. Yeah, I should know the answer. I know they lost to Kentucky. Yeah, that was my generation. Kentucky, they played, you know, when they had Lazar Sims, yeah. John Wallace. Or Hedger, yeah. Yeah. Right, right across town. But I just think, you know, Beheim has had an amazing career, and I know that he knows that it's up sooner than later. But, um, Steve, if you're listening, man. Yeah. He might. I mean, come on. Joe Reagan's going to be so. Just think about it. Take the interview. Do you think he'll build? 
give him an interview? I don't know. See, I don't, I don't have the ends. Like, I don't have my ear. To, I don't have my finger to the pulse of SU sports like I used to. Well, it's because you said they're going to end up 8-4 and four this year in football. I would love for them to end up 8-4 because that would be one more win than that, I don't want to say guaranteed win against BC. Well, yeah. And it's not the BC fans I'm worried about. It's, the, it's me assuming a win because then the football gods might dish me an L for that final game of season. Pounding on the horn there be that they were going to beat Clemson. We're, we're, we're 6-0, and we're going to beat Clemson, yeah. and, and the wheels fell off. Well, if, you, if you go to Clemson and, they, and Clemson turns the ball over four times in the first half and you don't win that game, no, it's that's true. on you, homeboy. I did forget about the interception. Not you personally, Steve. Well, it might be. That's on Team SU football. Um, this ended up being okay, I think. I think we, we, we did okay for the first one. Yeah. It's the reps. You said it's the reps, right? Yeah, reps. Yeah. A lot of reps. And um, I, I did just want to say your your kid had an amazing weekend in flag football. That was the end of that season, correct? Yeah. Snuffed it out a little short. Would have loved to see him win in the quarters. But, um, yeah, he had a great year. He loves he loves throwing the football. He loves being the quarterback. He likes His football IQ is very high. It is. Which very I was impressed. Because we just watch a ton. He watches how – Quarterback needs to have happy feet in the pocket. Like, he gets the reads. He loves all that. He loves being cerebral and athletic. I don't think he likes just one and not the other. I think to have a have a position or a sport where you can have this really cool balance of both is really neat for him. And it's rare, though. I think it's rare, especially with the, you know, 12-year-olds. I mean, soon to be 12-year-olds. Yeah. So then he just jumps right in the basketball first scrimmage of the year last year or last, or last night, and he had a... Nice showing. He's playing for Saratoga Battle, which is a really cool sixth grade travel team that plays in the area with a ton of success. And yeah, the, the other thing that I, I love is that he is growing out of the Halloween obsession. Yeah. That was so huge for me. Yeah, he threw some kind of retread yeah, mask on and he put on what looked like a Michael Jackson hat. He was a rhinestone glove away from being just like a scary post-mortem um, thriller version of Michael Jackson. So he, he scored a lot of candy with that. Um, and he, he has he's very gifted with the moonwalk, Steve. That's something well, we haven't talked about. That's from you, though. It is the dance show. You've seen it. But seen it. That, that was so exciting for me. The, you know, he, he, so many people are obsessed with Halloween. I'm not one of them. Yeah. I don't believe you're one of them. To him, he's like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go out tonight. I just want to hang with my friends. It was a quick Let's trot around Tyler Drive over there by the lake here in Saratoga. And a quick uh, trot around uh, Taylor Dri Tyler Drive with his buddies over there. Some great families. A couple of them actually play on that on that basketball team. So he got a pillowcase full in just one, one shot around the little drive, which is maybe a quarter mile tops. And, you know, he was happy with that. And then he wanted to jet right back over the house to watch Monday, Monday Night Football. Night Football. He said that to me when, he, when I was leaving. He said, yeah, you know, I want to get back from Monday Night Football. I thought that was awesome. And Monday Night Football didn't go according to plan. We got beat up. Got beat up the Bengals. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Who's going to show up? Joe Burrow. Macaulay yeah. Culkin. Yeah. I, I he mean, was more Macaulay Culkin, a little less uh, Joe Burrow that night. Um Everyone says he looks just like him, and he does. There's plenty of memes out there to support that. Oh, that's where you were going with Yeah, that. so he was a little, more, a little more Macaulay Culkin, a little more keep the change of filthy animal, a little less smoking the cigar after the national championship game. And I just, I don't know if that's offensive line. You know better than I do, but you know, I, I, I parted with 22 U.S. dollars that night when I, when I could have 
you know, gain 20 US dollars. I, I just wanted, the, the last thing I wanted to bring up was, because we tried to record and I, I forgot to press the record button last time. The Carolina pick that you had just blew me away. You, you, you picked them, and I think two weeks in a row, not only they won and they covered. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how you did that. Yeah, I just, I am, um, I was a little, little lower on the box. So that was the two weeks ago. Um, I was just a lot lower on the box. I mean, it's at Carolina. When you're giving 13 or whatever it was, I think they're giving 13 or 13 and a hook. A oh, hook, that you're right. A hook means a half for those yeah, people I, that I didn't know that. don't have any vices. I do. So is my son. But we always like to say in a hook instead of a half, which is way cooler to say. But if you're, you're playing against a team who's got a halfway decent defense in Carolina, you're playing them at home. There's pride at stake. Um, no one likes to give up the road to um, Tom Brady. At that's this what I was shocked at. I think that's the other thing. And Tom Brady would have trouble scoring points right now against Saratoga's high school yeah, football that's, team. That's and accurate. they're actually pretty solid. So I'm not, I don't need to make fun of them. Just maybe they're a couple levels lower. Um, but, I mean, how do you give 13 points visiting when you're a team that's generating 19 points yeah. a game? Yeah. So that means as long as you thought that Carolina would score at least 9, 10 points, 12 points, then how can, how are you taking Tampa Bay? I just don't think you can do that. No, no, but I still, I was shocked that you made that pick. I was shocked that they won and covered, and I believe they did it the following week right. as well. So then then you run into trouble because now Vegas is, is loving on the team that you picked in what you thought was a kind of a, a lock, and that was a lock for me two weeks ago. But, I, you know, I took them again. I wrote them again, and, and we're lucky enough to win in overtime. Um, you know, I think they were getting four with Atlanta, and I think they lost by three. So that was a barely cover. So now their stock is going to be high, so I'll be very – um, weary to take Carolina. Are you that and way with the stock market too? I don't know. I, mean, I wish I knew how to spell stock yeah, market. Okay. I wish that's all Teddy Cup's game for me. I just say here's a very... Can we get him on the podcast? Yeah, I think we can. Maybe we can talk finance then. But I just, I give him a very small sum of money because I don't have much. But he does usually pretty well with it. Other than, um, what was it? The Shell stock? We, we took it in the face on that. Shell Midstream Partners or something and we got beat up there, but that's okay. There's a lot of other. He's hit on more than he Pfizer's, you know. Lovely. <laughs> yes, they are. Right down the street, Arrow, um, Financial, you know, Saratoga National, Glen Smalls National. They've um, done well. There's been a lot of, lot of good. Is there anything that you can't talk about? <laughs> I mean, I'm just. I, 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 I thought I was going to get you with the stock market and you just. <laughs> and I said, okay. But I can I can talk about anything. Can I talk about it with a lot of knowledge and, and intellect and, and uh, sounds good. Like articulate? Probably not. But I can talk about you know pretty much anything. Just not not very well. Um, I'd love to talk forever. Unfortunately, we can't. I think this this went this went pretty well. And you know we actually recorded this time. So that that's a plus. It's a plus. And you you hit all the hot button issues. You know for us. For us, there are hot button issues. Yeah. we're not. I know. We're, I don't want to retread it. I don't want to talk about everyone else talking. We're not Joe Rogan or, or Stephen A. Smith, and I think that matters because you know the, the twenty-two listeners we have appreciate it, or maybe less now that you want Bayheim and and Steve Dash to come in. So, and then you offended the BC fans. So that may get us down to, to like ten, but <laughs> that's not bad. Double digits. Am I allowed to, to use the line that I like when I? Sign off here. Does that, does that count? Fire away. All right. Well, for Steve Cully and Josh Cup, remember 
When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Take two oranges and throw them back at life.